Here at the Downer Law Firm, we have over 40 years of experience handling personal injury claims such as car accidents, truck accidents, workers' compensation, even wrongful death. So if you're injured, give us a call. We've got you covered. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 704 High School Highlight Podcast. My name is Jeff Taylor. I'm the sports director here at Bay Heckle Sports, and today we are blessed to be joined by Erica Turner, who is the CMS Athletic Director or Executive Director of Athletics. I always yes. get confused. Either one? <laughs> Either one. Either one works. Well, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you. And thank you for all you do for our schools. Thank you. I know uh, you're a blessing to all of them, and so thank you so much. So before we get into all of it, let's just talk a little bit about your journey, okay. uh, doing a little research and stuff. I understand. So played high school ball here in Carolina. Yes, I played at Bandy's High School. I'm from Catawba County. I went to, um, I live in Sheryls Ford, and I right. still live there. Uh, I live across the street from the house that I grew up in. My mom is still there, and I bought the house across the street. So wow. I'm, I am a resident of Catawba County. Went to Bandy's High School and graduated from there in 1990. Talk to me a little bit about the high school journey. And, and what it was like playing high school sports. Wow, it was awesome. When I was in high school, I won back-to-back -back state championships. Uh, Mike Matheson was my coach, and so my freshman and sophomore year, um, we won back-to-back -back state champions, and we um, beat Clinton. We played Clinton High School both years in a row. And so then my junior and senior year, we made it uh, two games away from the state my junior year and one game away from the state my senior year, but we didn't win my junior and senior year. But it was an awesome journey uh, to play for Mike Matheson, who's a legend in the state of North Carolina. And our boys coach at the time was Bill Bost. Um, and then um, Mike went over to the boys team. My senior year, I was a little salty about that. <laughs> uh, but I still had a wonderful, my JV coach moved up um, and she was my varsity coach uh, my senior year. So, you know, I had a great, time at Bandy's High School. State title. Yeah, two oh, of them. Now, yeah. did they give rings back then? I know we didn't yes. get rings back then. <laughs> ah. So yes, we did get a ring one year, right. and then the next year the team voted. We didn't want a second ring, so we got a nugget, a gold there nugget with go. a basketball awesome. on a chain. And so yeah, that was awesome. Cool. So from there, it was off to Chapel Hill, I believe, yes, for a couple I, years. Yes, I got a full scholarship to go play basketball in Chapel Hill. Um, the experience was mediocre at best, and so I played two years in Chapel Hill, and then I transferred to North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro and played another two years. At that time, we didn't have the transfer portal like we have now. Right. <laughs> so because I transferred from one D1 to another D1 school, I had to sit out a year. Right. So that first year I did sit out, and then I played um, two years, and we I was part of the team that won the first um, – well, we won the MEAC, but we got the first automatic bid for the MEAC to the NCAA wow. tournament. Um, and we had to play Tennessee our first year. We was ranked number 64, and they were ranked number one. And that was uh, interesting. An experience? It was an experience. experience. It was, and we, we, we can say we was the first. Right. MEA seemed to – that's all we can say right now. Now, was that, was that with Pat Summit then? Yes, Pat Summit was with Tennessee. To be on the same court with somebody like that, even though she was coaching, what was that like? It was a surreal experience because the young ladies were like robots. So, you know, you know, you have a lot of trash talk when you're playing ball. They, they didn't say a word. They just kind of looked at you. Did their business. Yes. And, and, and I remember when they called the starting lineups out, you know, they called mm -hmm. the guards first from both teams. And, and I was a four and a five. <laughs> their four and five looked like they were seven <laughs> feet. I looked like their guards were my height. Right. Let me put it that way. Right. And so we were already starstruck. I, I remember when we went out to warm up, the stadium or the Coliseum area was empty. When we came, we went back into the locker room, we come back out, all you saw was 10,000 orange t-shirts up in the stands. And we were like, oh my goodness. 
Uh, so it was a surreal thing, and they were very disciplined, right. well-coached team, and it wasn't a lot of talk out there on the court. They was just down to business. Got it. Wow. Um, and we'll talk about the transfer portal in a minute, but was it interesting going from high school where, and I think a lot of kids, they're, they're superstars in high school, and they get the D1 scholarships, and you get to that school, and there's a moment, is there a moment where you go, okay, I'm not the big fish anymore? Yeah. Immediately. Immediately. Immediately when you hit that campus. In Catawba County, I was one of the tallest ladies in, in Catawba County. I was six feet tall. When I got to Carolina, 6'7", 6'5", 6'4", 6'3", 6'2". So I immediately wow. went from a 5 to a 3, right. automatic. I wow. never played the 3 position in high school, so I was already at a disadvantage. Um, so I played three, and then I played some at the four. Um, when I went to North Carolina A&T, I played three, four, and five because that was a smaller D1. Right. Still D1, but it was a smaller D1 school. And so um, the the height really wasn't a difference, you know, when I got to the MEAC. But the ACC, yes, guards were my size, and I wasn't used to that. So a lot of people – I tell the kids it's not about physically. It's about being able mentally to be able to survive when you go to D1 schools. And I think a lot of times – we set our students up for failure, thinking that they're better than what they are. They don't work like they used to. They don't work out like they used to. Um, um, they just want to go. And then when they get there, they realize you got to have that mentality to be able to stay there. Because I remember, so I played Division three ball, mm -hmm. football, and I just remember what a blessing it was just to be out there mm -hmm. and play college football. Mm -hmm. But, of course, when I played Division three, there were no cut. You just were basically on the team, yeah. which was an awesome experience. So let me ask you this. So done with college, what kind of – was education, was that always in the back of your mind in terms of what you wanted to do? So I probably changed my major three times. I think people go through that a lot when <laughs> they're in four. college. Like I think I, jobs now. <laughs> yes. I started out wanting to be a physical therapist. Okay. And then I went, I said, well, maybe elementary education. And then I settled on physical education. Um, and so, but it changed about three times. And so I wanted to, I was working with the Boys and Girls Club when I was at Carolina. And and I enjoyed working with the kids then. And so I knew I wanted to be in education at that point. And so um, it just naturally transferred to physical education when I wanted to get into coaching and things of that nature. Uh, but PE is more than just about the sports, though. I don't want, I want to make that clear. It Absolutely. wasn't just about Absolutely. But it was a natural progression for me, a natural transition, because I wanted to coach. And so I first started out coaching at T.W. Uh, Andrews High School in High Point. Um, I coached a JV team. And Sue Sheehan, who's also a well-known uh, women's basketball coach in North Carolina, was the varsity coach. Uh, and so I started out there um, and teaching at T.W. Andrews High School. Um, after that first year, I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, the kids were so – I just it was to the point where I was like, no, I'm going to go to jail. You know, so I, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble real quick. <laughs> yeah, so I better do something different. So I went and I stopped teaching after my first year, and I went to work with adults who had cerebral palsy. And I became their job coach. And I did that for three years. And then I went back um, into the education world. And I started in 1999 at Parkland High School. And I was the girls' basketball coach. And I started teaching PE at that point. Now, something fun we talked about before the podcast started. So, basketball. But you were also asked to coach the wide receivers on the football team, yes, correct? Yes. How did that come about? So, tragically, when I was at Andrews High School, I had twins. 
Um, and one of my twins passed away while I was there. He died of SIDS in a daycare. Matter of fact, tomorrow will be the 23rd anniversary of his passing. Well, please um, free tomorrow. Thank you. Praise thank you. Um, and so um, I was real close to the football coach and the coaching staff. And I remember Coach D'Angelo Bell. He came to me that year after. It was 2001. My baby passed in 2000. And said, hey, I like the way you coach. I like the discipline that you have with your girls' basketball team. If you can coach the fast break, you can coach my wide receivers. I said, excuse me? He said, I need you to come and coach my wide receivers. I need you to coach the wideouts. I said, sir, I've never played football. He said, if you can coach the fast break and you can coach the fast break, he said, then you can coach wide receivers. I said, okay, I'm never backing down from a challenge. That's the competitor in me. Right. And so that summer I, um, I went out with the quarterback and I ran the wide receiver route so I could learn them. I worked with the offensive coordinator. We had a no-huddle offense. And wow. so I worked with the offensive coordinator to learn the signals. And so during the JV games, uh, the varsity coach would be up in the stands. He was really calling the plays from the stands. I had on headsets, but I was doing the signals, so people thought I was calling the plays. <laughs> um, so that was interesting, and I had, I had a great time. Um, and we won the state championship that year. Um, I only coached that one year um, because emotionally it was still tough for me. I was still grieving the loss of my son, and so I just, I just needed to move back closer to home. Right. And so I did it one year, and I enjoyed every minute of coaching the football team. Um, young ladies, young girls was wanting my autograph. I got mic'd in practice one time from the <laughs> local news station. They followed me around practice uh, to see if I guess really knew what I was talking about. Um, but it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it and got a state championship ring out of it. But after that one year, I needed to move closer back to my family. And I did that, and I ended up at Independence High School teaching PE and coaching girls basketball at Independence. Yeah. So when we think about basketball and, the, and football, at the end of the day, I mean, when we get to the core of coaching, is it really all the same in terms of when you think about maybe the mentality of how to coach? Yeah, skill skill breakdown. Being able to teach and coach and break down the skills, you don't necessarily have to be able to play it in order to be able to break down the skills. I know a lot of great players who can't teach the sport. Right. Um, and so a lot of times coaching, if you great teachers make the best coaches because they're able to break it down and teach the kids and, and lead by example. I could I ran those wide receiver routes. I ran the drills with the kids, and so I was able to show them. So a lot of great players can be great on the court or on the field, but if you can't break down the skills and teach it, then it doesn't work. And I think you can learn skill development in any sport if you're passionate about it. And in PE, when you were a physical education major, you had to learn to break the skills down for every sport. Right. So from there, um, teaching and stuff eventually led to being principal? Yes. At a couple of schools, correct? A couple of schools. So when I left Independence, I went to Mallet Creek. I opened up Mallet Creek as the first uh, basketball coach there, but I also did my principal internship at Mallet Creek at the time. I did that two years, and then I, after I finished my degree, I uh, wanted to put it to work, and so at that time we were doing, they were doing a lot of cutting positions of assistant principals because of budget cuts right. back in 2008. So I went back home, and I went to Newton Conover, and my first administrative job was assistant principal slash athletic director. So that was my first dab into being an AD. So I did that three years, and then I went to Alamance Burlington School System, and I was the first director of athletics for Alamance Burlington School System. Um, for some family reasons, had to move back home to help, help my mother at that time, so I became an administrator in Ardell Statesville. Um, I was an assistant principal at Statesville High, and then I moved to the principalship at Statesville Middle School. Did that for two years and then made my way back to CMS in 2016 as the principal of Rocky River High School. And then in 2021, 
here I am as the executive director of athletics uh, for CMS. Wow, awesome journey. Yes. Wow. Yes. So in terms of when they, did they approach you about the athletic director job with CMS and what was your mentality with that? Um, Were there certain things that you wanted to see done in, in terms of CMS athletics mm -hmm. and you know what kind of when they approached you, what was your kind of mentality with, with taking on that role? Right. And so well, I was I was having the time of my life at Rocky River High School. And so at that point, because I just love being around kids. Right. And so um, I really I thought about it years ago and said if I ever had the opportunity, I would love to be the director of athletics in CMS because athletics is a passion of mine. Uh, but at the same time, if you ain't broke, don't fix it. And Rocky River was on, uh, we were on our way up. We, we had made some strides in the five years I was there, and, it, and we were just enjoying ourselves, especially coming out of COVID. Um, and so I had mixed feelings when I was approached about considering the position. Um, and, and I think I said no about two or three times before I finally said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, but I think my first two months in this role, I was borderline depressed because I missed my kids so kids. much at Rocky River. Right. Um, because you get into district office, now you're dealing with adults more so than kids. Um, so, but my mentality was I knew I could come in and make a change. You know, that's kind of been the legacy of my leadership journey. It's not about being successful, it's about being impactful. Right. Um, and so I just want to make sure I leave it better than I found it, right? And I, I've, I think at one point I realized, okay, you've taken Rocky River as far as you can probably take them. And so I, I equate my leadership journey as like the starting pitcher and the closing pitcher. I'm that starting pitcher, and somebody has to come in and be the closing right. pitcher. So I can build you that basic foundation. I'm going to leave a job better than I found it always because that's just who I am as a person. And so I feel the same way. I can come in and make an immediate impact because of my experience in athletics and academics. And so I decided to take the challenge. So as you were almost done with this school year, um, how would you sum up the school year in terms of athletics for CMS? And then during the summer, do you kind of, you know, shift your focus and, and pick new things to look toward? Mm -hmm. Or is it just kind of, you said, just kind of a fluid thing from year to year? So really, I start planning for the next school year in January. So I'm, I've already started thinking about what I want to do next year, because if I wait till during the summer, it's too late. Um, I think in the, in the last two years, this is closing out my second year as the um, director of athletics or the executive director of athletics. Uh, we've certainly changed the culture. We are still changing the culture and we still have a ways to go. So it's my desire to show athletics in the light of educational-based athletics. It's not just about the competition. It's not just about the X's and O's. There's so many things that the kids can benefit from about being part of an athletic team. Um, and if it wasn't for my teammates, I think about my teammates in college when I lost my son. Um, and I'm still close to my teammates, especially at A&T, and I'm still in contact with some of my teammates at Carolina. And if I needed anything right now to this day, I could call any one of my teammates and they're going to be there. And you can't take that away, regardless of how many championships you win. That's something that you'll never be able to take away. And, and you don't forget those. Those are lasting memories that I've gotten from being a part of a team. And I, and I, I need our kids to understand it's not always about winning. Everybody's not wanting to go to college and play a sport, right. but they still want to be part of that sport. I mean, it's a small percentage of kids that go, and especially a smaller percentage that go to Division One. Right. And I think we, we set our kids up for failure when we tell them that's the only way. And so I don't want to do that. I want to use athletics as a way to open up different avenues for our student athletes. And I think I've seen a shift. I've been around, you know, I've been in Charlotte for, gosh, 24 years now, and I've had three kids go through CMS and two have played sports. And what I have noticed is this 
this shift toward the education part. Mm -hmm. Back, um, you know, when I played ball in 86 and stuff like that, and, you know, I know that if you wanted to go to college, you wanted to pass a class, there were certain things that coaches would kind of do mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. weren't right. Mm -hmm. But I have really noticed over the last few years, especially in CMS, I've heard a football coach talk to my son and players on that team, and he, the conversation from the get-go has been, let's talk about grades. Because before we, even start some, before we even start summer practice, I looked at your grades from last year, and I've seen them pull kids aside and go, you know, it's either this or this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kudos for that because I, I have seen that. Um, and along those lines, what was really cool, and we'll talk about it a little bit because I do have some video I can put up here on the podcast, was the gala from the other night, mm -hmm. the CMS All-Star Gala, which when I realized was all put together by the Student mm -hmm. Advisory Athletic Student Athlete, S-A-A-C. Yeah, the Student Athlete Athletic Advisory uh, Council. So that how was, that, yeah, how'd that come about? So that's one of the things that I wanted to do. That was my way of getting back connected with the students. And we want to, we want to keep it, our focus is the student athlete, right? right? And so we need to keep our focus on the students. And I started one when I was in Alamance County. Um, and so I said, I have a goal to start a Student Athlete Advisory Council in CMS. And I wanted a male and female athlete from each high school to be represented. And once you start giving students power and empowering them to lead, amazing things happen. Absolutely. And so you just sprinkle little things here and there. And it started out with a leadership summit that they did in the fall at Carowinds. Um, they did one last year and they did one this year. And from they were thinking about, well, what can we do in the spring? And originally it was gonna be another leadership summit in the spring, cause you know, everybody didn't make it to the fall one. Um, but then they said, you know what, let's do something different and let's do a gala. And so um, I have some ladies in the background helping me with that. Ms. Tamara Satterfield, the counselor at Chambers, and uh, Ms. F uh, Patricia Barnes-Parkins, the AD at uh, Philip O'Berry, they're helping me in the background. And they said, Ms. Turner, do you think we can do it in four months? I said, with, for, for our students, anything is possible in four months. I said, we just have to do it. And so we put them in charge of everything and they, they emailed the sponsors. Next thing I know, we had $20,000 in sponsorships wow. coming just for that gala. So they put all the work into it. They, they got their MC. They ordered the awards. They wrote up the, the, the I had a, uh, they wrote on what we was, a script is what I'm trying to say. They had a script on what I was supposed to say whenever we announced the right. awards. They did, when I tell you they did everything, all I had to do was put a dress on and show up. And I was so excited for them because they felt so accomplished from that. They had a meeting last night, an interest meeting, and more kids showed up to be a part. And so that's what it's about. So if you would have come to the fall summit, they, they, it wasn't about sports. It was about financial literacy. They had a financial literacy workshop that was sponsored by Truist Bank. Uh, they had a young lady come to talk about mentorships. They had people from the college life to talk about what it's like as a, uh, a student athlete in college and uh, the recruitment process. It really wasn't about X's and O's. Um, it was just, it was amazing. Scott Clark has offered internships. I think we have 25 students in their internship program right, right now at Scott Clark Toyota. So it has been amazing for our student. Our leader, uh, Jonathan Birch, is a Rhodes Scholar now. So he'll be going on a Rhodes Scholarship. Um, and he's a swimmer at Butler, and so I sat with him at the table. Amazing! And just the conversation. Even when we interviewed him for our story right off the bat, I was like, "Wow!" Mm -hmm. But then I sat there and talked to him for a little while at our table, and was even more blown away. Mm -hmm. And and the interesting part is, you know, 
sometimes people think high school kids leading something, it'll be kind of halfway. And this kid went 100% mm-hmm. because there were a couple glitches during, the, and I could see him going. I think at one point he got up, yeah. <laughs> went to the back to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see that kind of role is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. So um, when we talk about high school athletics, we a lot of times get the, the tunnel vision of football and basketball and maybe baseball when there are so many other things out there. In your position, how do you kind of make sure everybody's kind of taken care of? And one of the coolest things for me has been seeing the new flag football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think all but one school is participating, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But how do you kind of, you know, make sure that everything's kind of equally, you know, taken care of and maybe covered and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that? So first of all, it's my responsibility to make sure that equity is there, that we're doing it. But I love sports in general, so I show up at everything, visibility. So I'm going to be at a tennis match. You'll see me at a baseball. And I just randomly pick schools to go to, and I just kind of show up. Show up. <laughs> some people know who I am, and some people don't. I just stand in the corner and take pictures because I love to see the kids compete. Right. If I see there's a need, then I need to, I, I make sure I take care of it. So right now, I see there's a need to build up our softball programs because softball is falling off of the girls' sports. Girls' basketball, really, a lot of teams don't have JV girls' basketball. Um, I work with the city councilman, Malcolm Graham. He has a tennis uh, tournament that he does in memory of his sister, Um, Some of our kids participated and volunteered in that. Um, So we have a young lady that's going to be at Wells Fargo for the golf tournament and get to participate in, in in some sort of fashion at the Wells Fargo golf tournament tomorrow and be part of that. And so I think it's important that you um, shed light on all sports, right? And I've I've even gotten some phone calls about lacrosse. Lacrosse is a little different because it's a little bit more expensive. Right. Um, And some people just don't have the interest. It's not that we don't want to do it. Right. It's just that there's not an interest in some schools for lacrosse. Lacrosse. Um, We're trying to build up swimming, uh, especially in our our minority schools, because I think it's important that they know how to swim. It's not about winning. If I can get somebody to come in and teach you how to swim, then I'm good because I think everybody needs to know how to sure. swim. And so um, so we just, you know, it's, CMS is such a large school district. You just got to, I've, I've realized I, I'm trying to do too much at one time sometimes. So I got to compartmentalize, but all sports are important, and it's my job to make sure that the equity is there. Um, and so it just takes a little longer to build other sports and to create different opportunities. Flag football was awesome. Um, I didn't know that we were going to have that many kids. I think one school had 116 girls to try out the first wow. year. Um, so I did not know it was going to fly like that. But I think the, the the kicker for us was when we did a promotional video and it came out on National Girls and Women in Sports Day. So that was intentional. Um, and then I started getting phone calls from everywhere. I mean everywhere. I didn't even know that we had adult leagues in Charlotte until oh, yeah. <laughs> until then. And so they came out and they spoke to the girls. And I think we had a young lady that was at Huff last year who got offered a, a scholarship to go play in Florida, flag football on the college level. Really? Yes. yes. I didn't even and know that so, existed. Yes, it wow. does exist on the college okay. level. <laughs> um, and so the whole goal is to get it sanctioned. But whether it's sanctioned in North Carolina or not, it's been big for our kids in Charlotte, and we're going to keep it going. I was amazed. I think it was the just the – the day Olympic mm-hmm. high school where yeah. they had all the teams mm-hmm. and I walked out there going, okay, there'll be some fans here and there. And I walked out and I was like, what is going mm-hmm. on? And I sat out there and watched it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the intensity was crazy. Yes. And it was just so cool to watch them and just get so excited about it. Mm-hmm. And um, so cool. Awesome. So let me throw two more subjects at you. Okay. And um, I've talked to some high school coaches and some high school players and it's, I, and, and people who've watched the podcast know how I feel about a couple things. So the transfer portal, Mm -hmm. I don't like it um, because I feel like it's hurt 
the kids who have a chance to go. Mm-hmm. I think it's taken away the opportunity for kids to go play sports in college who might have the opportunity. But now as I'm, I'm a college coach, I'm grabbing this kid who's played for a year or two in college, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to take the high school kid. Do you feel like it's kind of hurt? Absolutely. So I'm a parent, too. So my son plays right. football, and we, we talked about that. I was out his, there parent night, I think, yes, senior night at uh, yes. Rocky River. And we talked about that during the recruiting process, and it did impact him in, in sort of a way. But we were blessed. Um, I said, but it's still, Johnson C. Smith's package and, and, the, and the way they recruited him and made it personal for him, and the head coach went to talk to him, and um, the family feel it was easy for us. But unfortunately for other student athletes, it, it is a tough decision. But I, I let him go take all of his visits sure. and I, I needed him the to understand yeah I needed him to understand the difference and I won't name a school but in a particular school they were taking a lot of kids in the transfer portal right. and he, and the head coach said that he said about 40 uh, percent of our incoming class will be from the transfer portal and I said son this is not where we want to be right. right I said because the focus is on the transfer portal and I needed him to understand that whereas you go to other schools and they'll say hey we're only going to take one or two from the transfer portal right. the rest of them we're going to build from our freshman class um, and that says a lot so it just it, it does hurt a lot of the kids it's cut down on the options that they have right. um, but we we were blessed and so I'm excited about that but I did have to it was disappointing for some of our seniors uh, to listen and listen to the confusion for the parents who don't understand the process. Right. Uh, it is kind of disheartening and people waiting, we're going to wait, we're going to hold out. I'm thinking, no, I wouldn't hold out if I was you. you, you need to go. If somebody's offering you some money, I'm going to need you to go ahead and sign that um, or go ahead and accept it verbally anyway. Nothing is, is final until you sign that piece of paper, but you need to have a verbal commitment on the table because when that transfer portal opens, the floodgates are going to, yeah. And so a lot of kids miss out on that. But, and the other thing that sets kids apart is that GPA. Right. Right? And so now you need that high GPA. So we, there is no question. You know, income freshman, you know, I'm gr- grateful that my son has a 3.5 GPA. Um, I said that makes all the difference in the world, son, whenever you're getting recruited. That's the first thing that they're going to look at. Unfortunately, you have a lot of kids who have the talent. But you're sitting at a 2-3. Right. And that kid in the transfer portal got a 3-7 or a 3-8 or – and not only a transfer portal, but I've seen it just in, like, schools itself accepting kids. Like, mm-hmm. this year's senior class, I know for, like, you know, the University of Tennessee had so many kids who maybe took a gap year off mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of COVID and stuff, and now they're coming in or whatever. Yeah. It's just been kind of crazy all the yeah. way around. So, um, and I've talked to uh, I talked to a couple kids. Uh, my kids go to Providence. Mm-hmm. And I know there are a couple kids there that could have probably easily played Division One, mm-hmm. but it just – they had coaches tell them, hey – it's well, I, I will tell you this. I think it's been great for the D2 and D3 leagues. Well, that's and, – and I played Division three. Yeah. like I said. Yeah. I played Division three, And for me, I can still tell people, hey, I, I played college football. Right. At the end right. of the day, you're playing college football. Right. And my experience was probably I wasn't – you know, it wasn't 24-7 mm-hmm. all – every day, all year long, you know what I'm getting at. I mean, it was the fall, and then you, yeah. you worked out some, but it wasn't what it was. Right. Um, so, okay, along those lines um, – Another thing that I've kind of struggled with in, in terms of seeing high school kids and even the college kids is the NIL. Um, I, you know, there are kids who are, who are getting it, who I, 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 I get it, I understand it, but they haven't proven anything. Right. In, in terms of, you know, and, and so 
I'm not a big fan of it. And now the thought of, you know, there's, I don't know how many states now have said, hey, high schoolers can get it. I don't think we have it in North Carolina. Correct? No, and, and, and there's a committee. They put together a committee because Steve is on that committee as well to start discussing that, but it has not reached North Carolina yet. But it's coming. That's so your thoughts on it? I don't like it. I think, I think it's messing the kids up. I think it's messing up college too as well. And um, I, 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 I know of a former student of mine that I had in middle school um, that had all these NIL deals, but he hasn't played – I haven't seen him play in college. But he has an NIL deal, and so he's not playing anymore. So when that runs out, then what? Right. You know what I'm saying? They still have to have something to fall back on. There's nothing – they need to get that degree. And I think we entice the kids with money, especially those kids who probably struggled growing up. That Of course, I get to – I can help my family. I can help my family pay some bills. That's what right. they're looking at. Um, but I think uh, we need to educate our students about um, sustaining, you know, because that money's going to run out one day. And for me, you know, it's like – there's the NIL deal, and then there's also we're going to give you a full ride. Pick one. Like, right. I mean, it's like if they're giving you the NIL money, then you can go ahead and take care of your college. Right. Because the scholarship money could go elsewhere. Right. And that's where I struggle with it. So, and, and I saw something I posted, Angel Reese, uh, about Angel Reese from uh, LSU. She talked about she's making more money in the NIL deal than she would ever make playing in the WNBA. Something to think about. It does. And so, what just what bothers me is, is, a, is a, as a dad who's had three kids, and, and I played high school and stuff like that, is just taking away some of the purity. Yeah. As you get to the senior year and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think it's just a fine line we all got to walk. So let's wrap up with this. Obviously, with um, us here at Bay Hackle Sports mm -hmm. and our relationship with you guys and, you know, becoming your home for high school sports, I know it's been just a great thing for us, mm -hmm. our relationship with CMS and trying to tell the stories and be at the games and start building a – uh, a culture that we are trying to be your home for high, high school sports. Just talk about the relationship we've had with you guys. Oh, it's been great. Uh, I think it's awesome uh, because it helps change the culture, so people can see it, see the difference. Um, it's not just a, it's not just talk. You see it in action. Um, getting the positive stories out. People right. like to focus on the negative all the time. And I tell and I I am a people will tell you that I'm afraid to talk to news reporters. I, You've done I, good every time. Yeah, well, yeah. Every time. Well, I'm not the most politically correct person, and if the wrong question comes up, I might be Game in trouble. Yeah, I'd, rather because, be, I'd rather be honest, though. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So, but I, I like, I, I believe that there are more positive stories out there than negative stories. Right. And I believe that I, I, for our students' sake, that we need to focus on the positive to encourage them to do well. Uh, because if all they see is the negative, then that's what you're going to get from them. Um, and so, I choose to focus on the positive. I choose to focus on the glass half full. And and we have many kids, many coaches, many teachers doing the right thing. We have more of those doing the right thing than doing the wrong thing. But most people want to only focus on the negative. And I think we, if we can create that narrative for our students, they can't do anything but be successful. And it's my, I, my goal is to create that positive narrative to let them know that you can be anything you want to be when you leave. And, and my experience losing a child in somebody else's care is kind of my motivation my child died in daycare so in, and when I approach my job I have thousands of other people's children in my care that's real for me that's not politics and I know that in an instant their life can be taken away and you can't get that back right. and so I move a little bit different because it has nothing to do with all the degrees that I have um, and just to watch that light bulb come off even for my own child 
Uh, and my own children, I have an older one that's in college. He's at CVCC. He was part of eSports. He can build you a computer from scratch right now. He's 6'4", 275. He looked like an athlete, but he's not an athlete. <laughs> so, and, and my youngest son, to watch him grow um, as a student and come to within his own, um, the, 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 um, the confidence he has being part of a sports team. Um, and he, wa he wasn't one of your power five players. He wasn't one that was always in the spotlight. Uh, but he he come to work every day, and he has a great work ethic, and he's around people who supported him not only as a player but as a young man. And to watch his growth has been short of amazing, and that's what I like to see in our student athletes. And it's my job to create those opportunities for our student athletes, and I, and and it helps to help some coaches along the way, some adults. It's about integrity because at the end of the day. When we had those students who had to, when we had to forfeit those games last year, it was bad for people, but at the end of the day, it was worse for the kids. Erica Turner, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for all you do for Thank our you. kids. Good luck the rest of the this year and next year and years beyond. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank, Thank you guys for checking us out. And um, as always, follow us, uh, like us, comment, however you do it, whatever you do to uh, watch your podcast or listen to them, make sure you check out the 704 High School Highlight Podcast, and we will see you next time. Here at the Downer Law Firm, we have over 40 years of experience handling personal injury claims such as car accidents, truck accidents, workers' compensation, even wrongful death. So if you're injured, give us a call. We've got you covered.